morning. My name is uh, Terence Okoriak. I have the uh, just an awesome privilege of being one of the pastors here. And um, I lead a group uh, called This One Voice. I've been leading that ministry for 14 years now. Uh, and, and, and in This One Voice, we take a look at the voices uh, that are going on in our heads. You know, there's voices going on in our heads. And some as early as we can remember. Some of them are the voices of our parents, maybe some of our friends or a teacher or a coach. And some of these voices encourage us, and some of these voices sabotage our lives. And so we, we look at these voices, and we, get, we, we work on hearing another voice, this one voice, the voice of Christ. And when the voice of Christ is working in our lives, we get to be the voice of Christ in the lives of others. And that's the work we do in this one voice. I also lead the care team. Uh, and the care team, the congregational care team, is such a great, it's such a great program. Um, we, have, we have 52 people now. We started off with about five in the beginning of last year. Now we have 52 people. We do hospital visits. We do grief counseling. We, do, uh, uh, we bring meals. Uh, we'll, we'll coach people. You know, there's some people, they come in, I don't want counseling. I just want to talk to somebody. I just want to get a little bit direction in my life. And, and that's, that's the work we do. It's so exciting. We now have, we have a new partnership with uh, Shore Memorial. We're going to be doing visits there and training people how to, visit, uh, how to visit patients. So it's exciting. So if you're interested, and especially if you're, if you're in the medical field, we're starting a medical team for the church here. If you're in the legal field, we do need someone. We don't need you to handle cases. We just need you to give people ad advice at times. So, so see me or see Kathy or see Lainey, and uh, we'll, we'll get you set up. So today is part two of my message, the, the, the call to diligence for 2024. That's my word for 2024, diligence. And, and all things I do are going to be filtered through that word. Actually, I'm looking in the back, and I see a man wearing a cowboy's jersey. Now, look, that, listen, listen, that shows you a number of things. Confidence, it shows you, it shows you commitment, right? And, and it shows you courage, because this is, this is Eagles country. You wouldn't know it's Eagles country, because I don't see an Eagles jersey. But that shows you that... Or it shows you somebody who's insane. So either way, that's you, you decide. Um, I have to be careful because if my Packers win today, we play the Cowboys next week, so I can't be too uppity. Here we go. <laughs> I, and, and look, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a sore loser. I'm a terrible winner. I, I, don't, I never let you forget. So the call to diligence, right, to be diligent enough to wear an Eagles jersey on a, on a day that it's an important game. It's okay. It's all right. Proverbs 12, 27, it, it, and, and this is our verse for diligence. A lazy person does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a person is diligence. Solomon's saying is that diligence is this precious possession that we can have on our souls. And the question is why? Because that's what makes life work best. If we could tell you how to make life work best, it would be diligence and the words of wisdom in Proverbs. If you buy a new product, 
you get a brochure, right? You usually get a brochure. There's 47 pages. It's in 12 languages, right? This is how your product works best. I don't read those instructions. My wife does, and she has them since 1986. She's got all the instructions. We don't need them anymore. They're on the internet now, but we get instructions on how to use a product best. And Solomon is telling us how life works best because he's lived it and he's looked at it. How many of you, I've given you a challenge this year to read a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, 31 chapters in proverbs. You get to the end of the month, you go all the way back to the beginning. If you skip a day, that's okay. Yeah, today's day said, today's Proverbs 7. Today's Proverbs 7. What a great proverb. It's the man standing up from his lattice, right? Looking down on a fool walking through the street, being called by an adulteress. And he sees. That's the view we have as being spirit-filled people. We see the world from a different perspective, up above. We see the world as God sees the world. How many people are reading a proverb a day? All right, you guys are getting better every week. He's telling us clearly the path of how life works. And he's also telling us the path of how life doesn't work. But the good news is, right? The good news is what Solomon says, that if you get on the wrong path, that's all right. You got enough time, you can get back on the right path. And the foundation for wisdom, he tells us, is the fear of God. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians, so then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as, my presence, not as in my presence all, only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Do you hear that? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Paul's talking to believers here. This is his exhortation to us. And the language is very strong. Be diligent in your walk, he's saying. Be mindful of your decisions. Because your decisions generate eternal consequences. And that means they last forever. The advice here is to live in fear and trembling is an, is, is an alert to us. Don't be dull in your hearing. Don't be... Just be diligent in heeding God's word. My friend, I have a good friend, Dave Brisbane. He, he's a pastor in California. He's such a great guy, such a cool guy. And he was telling me he, he had taken some of his congregants as a lesson. I don't know what lesson he was teaching them, but they were going skydiving. And, and he said, before we went skydiving, before we even got in the, in the plane, there was a two or three hour training on what you should do and what you shouldn't do and what you should be mindful of. And he told me, I realized at some point in the training, I realized I'm not listening. And I don't know how much I didn't hear. And I'm about to go, out into a, go up in a plane and jump out, and I'm not sure what I missed. Don't miss what Solomon and Paul are telling us. Don't be flippant about your approach to God. He's not our fishing buddy. He's an almighty God. If you remember last week, it was a two-part message, I told you. And the, and the first part was, I just want to jog your memory, that 
that there are seven advantages to living a diligent life that Solomon tells us. Number one, diligence provides a sure advantage in life. Number two, diligence gives us a measure of control in our lives. Number three, diligence provides true fulfillment. Four, diligence will bring respect and admiration to you and to your family. Five, diligence will satisfy your deepest needs. Six, diligence will allow you to experience ever-increasing success. And seven, diligence will make your efforts profitable. So we covered the first three last week, and I just want to recap them quickly. First of all, diligence provides a sure advantage. You see, there's a, there's a saying that there's a ton of competition at ordinary, but almost none at extraordinary. I was talking to high school students this week, and I was asking them their goals, and I was, it, was, it was designed to help them set up goals. And the one guy says to me, I, I wanna play tennis in college, that's my goal. And I said, wow, that's great, that's a great goal. Um, how are you training right now? I said, well, I'm not, it's not tennis season. And I asked him, okay, all right, well, do you have a coach? How are you being coached right now? And he said, well, I have a high school coach and it's not tennis season. And I said, if you think you're gonna replace the guy on the college tennis team, let me tell you something right now. Because right now, he's training. Right now, he's coaching, being coached. And he's gonna have the advantage. Because you know why? Because he knows you're coming. And he's thinking, you're not prepared. You want the advantage? Be diligent. Start training now and get a coach. You see, there's a ton of competition at ordinary, but almost none at extraordinary. If you wanna be extraordinary, you have to train differently. The second thing I went over last week was diligence gives us a measure of control in our lives. And you know, we cannot control, does anybody here think they can control the circumstances in their lives or in the world? We can't control anything. I can't control the guy driving in front of me on the road. We can react or we can direct. A diligent people train themselves to direct. And we coach you how to do that. And this one voice and then the care team will coach you how to direct rather than react. When I learned this discipline of directing, it turned my life around. And here's what I learned. You cannot change the circumstances of your life overnight. You can't. But you can change the direction of your life over, overnight. That I can do. That I can do. When I learned that, I said, that I, can, that I can do. I can change my direction. Even in just a slight bit, I can change my direction. Because you know what? Direction determines destination. So if I want to end up in a better place, I start a different direction tomorrow. And the third thing I went over was that diligence provides true fulfillment. Solomon says that the soul of the diligent is made fat. I love that. What does it mean to have a fat soul? I used to have a friend in, in North Jersey, and I'd say, hey, man, how you doing? He'd say, oh, man, I'm Tuesday all day long. What is, you're Tuesday all day long? What does that mean? He says, I'm fat, man. P-H-A-T, he would say. Meant he's good. I don't know how he got Tuesday all day long. But the way we operate in the world has much to do with the mechanics of what's going on inside of us. The fat soul, 
How's that humming? And the fat soul that Solomon's talking about is somebody who's satisfied, overflowing with joy and appreciation. Would you like that? Would you like to be Tuesday all day long, right? That's a new saying I just taught you. Somebody say, hey, you doing? Well, I'm Tuesday all day long, man. And they'll say, what does that mean? I know. You don't know. If you were in, you'd know. That's where we are today, right? Having gone over those three things. And so much of diligence has to do with developing the routine, the structure, and the habits of what Solomon is telling us to lead us an extraordinary life, to create a joyful, inspiring life. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't? I mean, some people, I'm miserable and I'd like to be miserable. I'd like to be a spreader of misery, but I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied in my own little misery. There are people like that. They make that decision. And the fourth thing is that diligence will bring respect and admiration to you and to your family and to your organization. And Proverbs 22, 29, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Solomon says, do you see a man diligent in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Do you see a man diligent in his work, he says. The phrase, Billy Graham, the phrase, do you see, Bruce Walkey, who's, who's a, a Hebrew scholar, he says it's the Hebrew word hazita, and it means give sharp inspection, study intently, make a study of the workings of a diligent person. Make that your study, because you know why? Success leaves clues. That's why we study the attributes and the, and the habits of successful people. Years ago, I did a study. I, I read a bunch of books about John Wooden. I read his book, and I read uh, biographies about him. He's a legendary college basketball coach hired by UCLA in 1948. Now, Wooden coached at UCLA for 16 years before he won a national championship. That's dedication to a coach. We wouldn't hang around with a coach for 16 years if we didn't win a championship. We change, co change coaches like we change our shirts. But Wooden was diligent in his practices. He recorded all of them, had all of his practices recorded. He was diligent in his system. He had a certain system of playing. They did the same thing, ran the same play all the time. And they used to practice it in front of the team they were playing. And he said, I don't care if they know what we're going to do. We're going to do it excellently, and they're not going to be able to stop it. It's all about execution. He was diligent in his system. But most of all, most of all, Wooden was diligent in his character development of his players. He was more interested in developing winners in life than winners on the basketball field, basketball court. And that showed in the futures of his players, most of them didn't go to the NBA, but they all remember the lessons they learned during those practices with John Wooden. He eventually did win 10 national championships. That's astounding. That's amazing. And his diligence brought honor to his own name, to his family, to his players, and to UCLA. Success leaves clues. Solomon is saying to us to make a study of diligence the habits, the structure, and the routine of the diligent will bring success to our lives as well. 
It just, it doesn't mean living in mansions and drive, having your own jet plane. It means a life that's successful in your relationships, in your faith, in your job. Become a student of diligence. Paul tells Timothy, hey, be diligent. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. The word that Paul uses too, it means exert yourself, make it an endeavor, give diligence to this so that you show yourself approved to God. And we show ourselves approved to God by our diligence in studying his word. We do. We show ourselves approved to our employer by our diligence at work, not clocking in late and leaving early. We show ourselves approved to our coaches by how we practice. Kobe Bryant, anyone know Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant was, at his time, probably the best basketball player. He won, I think, five championships. Kobe Bryant was in the gym every morning at 4.30, working on his footwork. Kobe Bryant didn't need to work on his footwork, but he was diligent to show himself approved. I'm going back to school. Uh, actually, Pastor Gene and I were going to Liberty University. I'm, going, I'm taking pastoral counseling. What are, what are you taking, Pastor? The doctoral and pastoral. Doctoral and pastoral. We're the new guys on campus. <laughs> Pastor Gene and I, hey, how you doing? Yeah. We're ready. We're ready, man. Hey, look at these two new guys. <laughs> how are you going to show yourself approved to your family and to your church this year? It's not about people-pleasing or unhealthy need for approval. It's about gaining the approval of God. You bring honor to your name and your family. Uh, My my son is a lawyer, and and he's he's argumentative, which makes him great as a lawyer. And he went through law school during COVID, so he didn't get to go to classes and stuff. It all had to be remote. There's a certain amount of diligence that took that. And and he said to me... um, I'm gonna pay my own way, Dad. I, I know you paid for your own college. I wanna pay for mine. I'm, I'm gonna pay it. I don't need you to pay it. And I was like, I'm not gonna argue with you there. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and he did, and he got through, and, and, and he made the law review, which is, which is one of the highest honors you can get in law school. I'm so proud of him. Amen. And, and I've seen all my children work through these interesting obstacles in life and to do it diligently. You see, the obstacles that come in our lives are the opportunities for us to grow. My one son is just, he, he's convinced the universe is against him. I'm like, dude, the universe, whatever you, God or the universe, whatever you think it is, it's challenging you to be a man because a man has to handle obstacles. Ryan Holiday in his, in his book, The Obstacle is the Way, when I brought my son to uh, Dr. Amen because he was uh, the, the psychiatrist, uh, because he was having problems with, uh, with panic uh, attacks. And, and one of the first things they, gave, they said, read The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Change your mindset. And what he says in the book is the obstacle in the path becomes the path. You get that? The obstacle in the path becomes the path. Never forget Within every obstacle is an opportunity to improve our condition. Within every obstacle is an opportunity to improve our condition. Fifth, 
Diligence will satisfy our deepest needs. Proverbs 28, 19. He says, he that tills the land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that follows vain persons is void of understanding. And what he's telling you is don't stray from the fields where you're working. You have responsibilities. Don't listen to vain pursuits. Those vain pursuits will never satisfy. They may for a season, but in the long term, they won't. Proverbs 21, 16 says, a person who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Stay in the field. Don't wander off. When you're out of the field, you're not practicing diligence. We are all desperately seeking for that that person, that place, that thing, that experience that will meet our expectations, our needs, and our wants and fulfill us. John Piper says in his book, The Pleasures of God, there are three things that stand in the way of complete satisfaction in this world. One is that nothing has a personal worth great enough to meet the deepest longings in our heart. God created this longing in our heart for him, not everything else. And nothing will satisfy that longing. Another is that we lack the, they, they lack the strength to savor the best treasures to their maximum worth. We don't have the capacity to be satisfied completely by those things. And lastly, he says, the third obstacle to complete satisfaction is that our joys here come to an end. Nothing lasts. That car is going to rust out. That house is going to get old. That person's going to get old and ugly. Unless you're Andy Williams. But he looks great at like 85. He died looking good. The only thing that satisfies our deepest needs and has the staying power to meet those deep needs is Jesus and our relationship with God. Solomon says, stay in your own field till your land with diligence. Don't listen to vain persons. There's always that guy, right? There's always that guy. Hey, I got a great deal for you. I'm I'm working. There's this story about this NFL quarterback. And his, his goal, when he got out of college, his goal was to retire with $100 million. That's a pretty good goal. And his money manager... His, his agent said, we can do that. Stay in your field and listen to me. And more and more, his old friends from his old neighborhood would give him advice, and the, and the manager would say, don't listen to them. They've never worked. You're on your way to having $100 million. And he kept listening to them and listening to them. He fired his money manager, and he ended up with way, way less than $100 million. Stay in your field. Don't listen to vain pursuits. Six, diligence will allow us to experience ever-increasing success in our lives. Proverbs 13, 11, it says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathers by labor shall increase. When I was growing up on, on Long Island, there was a guy in our neighborhood, Woody. Woody was a big gambler. He was like a couple of years older than me. And man, he was always at the horse track. He was always betting the horse track. And the thing about the horse track, my mother used to say, you know, the racetrack is the only place where there's more horses rear ends than there are horses. 
<laughs> Those guys betting. And, and, and Woody made a lot of money. I mean, he had some big hits. I mean, for back in 1970, you know, he'd make $13,000 in a weekend. He'd be like, holy mackerel, Woody. I'd walk away now. It was amazing. But you know what happened? What happens with vain gains? He lost it all back. And he lost it all back and some. Because he started dealing with some sketchy guys. You see, he lost so much money that he owed these sketchy guys a lot of money. And he didn't pay them back. And they don't repossess stuff. They don't take your car or put a lien on it. They, they, they have a whole different way of collections. They break stuff. And Woody disappeared. And nobody ever heard of him again. We knew that he dealt with the wrong people and we knew he owed the wrong people wrong money. He had gotten wealth by vanity and it cost him. And you know what? It cost his mom and his dad because to their death, they never knew what happened to him. None of us knew. The money was gone and so was Woody. Watch out for vain gains, Solomon's saying. Stay in your field, man. Work the field. It'll work out. He that gathers by labor shall increase. That's not the fun way. It certainly ain't the easy way. But Solomon's saying it's the only way. And we gather in the proper season. You got to wait. Pat Riley, the basketball coach, used to say, um, some people are ready and some people are prepared. What does it mean to be prepared? You know, there's a, an old saying that, uh, that warriors that would say, we sweat more in training so that we bleed less in battle. I'm in a good season of my life now. I, I, this, this week, uh, I'm going to turn 68 years old, and, and I, feel, I feel young. And you, <laughs> you all look like, well, you ain't. <laughs> the proof is in the mirror. So uh, I've taken all the mirrors out of my house. We're not allowed to look at a mirror. But I've been working for this harvest for 40 years. And I'm reaping it now. Never underestimate the years that you spend laboring in the field. The years that I spent reading and listening and going to conferences. And I, I don't know, a few years ago I said to my wife, I'm wasting my time with all this. It doesn't seem to matter what I'm doing. She was like, God's preparing you. And the places where I've spoken and the people that I've met all preparing me for this time. I'm in a really good season. And God, I, it, the thing is, I've been earning this harvest for 40 years. I'm just getting paid now. And, and really the payment is serving as a pastor. And I never thought I was ever gonna be a pastor. Diligence will make your efforts profitable. Solomon says in Proverbs 14, 23, in all labor, there's profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. See, talkers, we all got talkers in our, in our lives, right? Talkers attract temporary attention, but their influence remains limited because there's no action to back it up. 
Doers lead by example. They motivate others through their activities and their accomplishments. If I paraphrase a, a statement by Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. You ever have a time? Look on YouTube, Jim Rohn. Great wisdom. He says, in the end, our lives will not be judged by what we started or by what we said we were going to do, but by the things that our effort and resolve brought to a successful conclusion. Nobody gets credit for what they said they were going to do, right? It's about finishing well. The question is, are you finishing well? Mere talk, Solomon says, it leads to poverty. We all have talkers in our lives, right? Now, my, my coach, I have a coach. And my coach told me she's planning a trip to hike to Mount Everest base camp. I was like, base camp? Everybody goes to base camp. What's that? That doesn't mean anything. It's no big deal. Come on. She's like, well, it's 18,000 feet climb. You got to be more than a talker. You got to train for almost a year to do that. I had no idea what base camp meant. It's 12 days of continuous hiking on mixed, steep, rocky terrain. She's going to be carrying a backpack that's at least 12 pounds for hours up and down hills. She's going to be hiking for a minimum of five hours each day, covering 20,000 feet worth of ascent and descent during the journey to Everett, just base camp. And on the way down, she'll be hiking 12 miles a day on uneven terrain. And all this time, with this altitude, she'll be trekking where there's 30 to 50% less oxygen going to her muscles. She'll be getting less oxygen and working harder. Your muscles are missing valuable oxygen. That's just to get to base camp. I'm like, okay, now I appreciate that. And every year, 12 to 15 people die just trying to get to base camp. In fact, there are over 200 bodies on Mount Everest. You know that? It's beyond base camp. When you get it up into the kill zone, people die there. And they leave them because it's too dangerous to bring them down. And when you climb, you can see them. That should really be a... <laughs> That should really be a sign to you, you know, I should get down real quick. I have a picture of all the uh, places where all the bodies are. That's where all the bodies are, beyond base camp. I don't see much value in climbing a base camp. I mean, I, seriously, I don't. Because to go through that, to go through that, you got to want to get there, right? That's a lot of work to get somewhere takes a whole lot more diligence than I've ever exhibited in my life. Her dedication to this project is inspiring to me, and she told me that, that people around her are inspiring her as well. See, if you're gonna get to base camp, it really depends on who you're spending time with. Are they people who inspire you? Are they people who encourage you? Or are they talkers? Take an inventory of the people that are influencing you in your life. That's real diligence. Are they finishers? Do they blame and complain? Do they have an excuse for everything? You know, we got a lot of talkers, 
especially in religion. We got people who are talkers, but not a lot of doers. Our inner circle of people must not be people with an unlimited supply of complaints and distorted opinions. Diligent people ask the questions. Three questions you gotta ask yourself. Who am I around? Who am I spending most of my time with? And what effect are they having on me? You ever be with somebody and you're walking away and you say, I feel terrible after that. I just did something good for him and I feel horrible. What effect are they having on you? And then the third question is, you, you, you ask, who am I around? What effect are they having on me? And is that acceptable? Do I want to feel that way? Do I want to be influenced that way? Strive to be around diligent people who St. Francis calls artists. It's a great quote by St. Francis from Assisi. He says, he who works with his hands is a laborer. He who works with his hands and his head is a craftsman. But he who works with his hands and his head and his heart is an artist. Work with your hands, your head, and your heart and be an artist in your life. There's a great story about, in Thailand, the Golden Buddha, right? I'm not saying we should talk to Buddha. Buddha is just a story about the statue that was golden, right? And the Thai monks uh, knew that um, the Burmese army was coming. So they covered the Buddha with mud. So they hid it so that the Burmese army would not come and steal it. But it, it stayed there for centuries, covered with mud. Until around 1957, some kids saw something gleaming out of the mud. And they moved away little by little, and they found this golden Buddha, this masterpiece that was covered. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, we are the workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. God has placed a masterpiece in your soul, in every single one of you. He has. There's nothing wrong with that. God has created it. The Lord delights in those who fear him, it says in Psalm 147, those who wait for his faithfulness. And maybe that masterpiece has been covered for a while, maybe for protection, I don't know. But the diligent soul will uncover it. Are you ready or are you prepared? That's really the question. Because the precious possession of a man or a woman is diligence. So before we close this morning, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, the care team to come up for prayers. And the, there's, there'll be prayer here for you here, available here. There's also, we have members of the, prayer, uh, the care team out in the foyer to pray for you. So look for the people with the lanyards. I just want to pray with a blessing that Paul gives the Ephesians. And bow your heads for God's blessing. I pray that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all fullness of God. Amen.